Are you excited to be in, the, in God's house this morning? Isn't it a blessing to be here? Amen. Amen. We have, we have found a, we found a ring, looks like an, maybe an engagement ring uh, or a wedding ring. Uh, and so if you lost a ring, go ahead and check your finger. But if you lost a ring, um, the, that will be available. Uh, Sister Brown will have that. You can wave your hand, Sister Brown. You might have to describe it a little. Uh, but uh, you can see her or she'll be at the information booth after service. And uh, if, the, if the engagement's off, just don't tell nobody. And we won't tell nobody either. So uh, <laughs> wasn't meant to be anyway. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I hope you're ready for. Hope you're ready for a fun day. And uh, we are. We're so thrilled to be to be uh, hosting Trunk or Treat. It'll begin at 11:30. My my goal is to be done by 10:45. So, 20 minutes. You're welcome, Sister Carol. And uh, 20 minutes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off fast and we're gonna end fast. Is that all right? If you're a guest, let me be the. Let me be one to say that thank you so much for being here, being a part of this great day. We welcome you to the Anchor Church. We love you. We're so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Amen. Give honor to our pastor today, our pastor's wife, and uh, just thankful, thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Uh, for all of those that Sister Bounds mentioned have been healed of cancer um, after service, if you would... Uh, during the altar call, if you would find Elder Melick, he'll be right over here. We're going to take a prayer cloth, and uh, we're going to pray. We're going to ask you to pray over that prayer cloth, and we're going to send that. We're going to send that with you all um, to go be with Sister Megan. And uh, we believe there's power in prayer. Amen. We believe in that jurisdiction stuff. We really do. Amen. 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 Hebrews chapter four. Verse 14, turn to your neighbor, say, you better pay attention, it's going to be quick. <laughs> Hebrews 4 and 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot, double negative makes a positive, right? So it really reads, we do have a high priest which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Everybody say, find grace to help in the time of need. Have you ever been in need before? Have you ever needed him? Have you ever been in a moment just like, man, I need God. I got everything up right now. I'm going to preach to you for the next, I'm not good at math, 17 minutes. Reachable God. Reachable reachable God. Turn to a couple people around you and say he's reachable. Amen. God bless you. You better sit down. Better sit down so we can get started.
I am trying my best as a citizen of Muskingum County to be a hunter. I'm trying. I really am. Last year, for the first time, I, I went out into the woods and, and uh, shot uh, a none of your business amount of bullets and uh, missed what I was shooting at. And uh, so hopefully this year it's, uh, it's going to be a little, little better. But uh, when, I, when, I started to, when I started to gain interest in hunting, um, I did what, any, uh, what anybody my age would do. I turned to the experts um, in hunting, and I went to YouTube. Uh, all the experts are on, are on YouTube, of course. I, listen, I have fixed my whole house via YouTube. God loves YouTube. Sorry, commercial break. But uh, So I went to YouTube, and man, I was just excited, curious, and wondering what I got into. And man, I, it was like I started off so ready and excited, and the more videos I watched, the more depressed I got. I figured out via YouTube that if I did not have $50,000, I could not be a good hunter. <laughs> I had to have a tractor. I had to have, I had to plant, I had to have 200 acres of land. Uh, I had to have, I had to plant this particular, this particular grain so that deer would come and feed. And I had to have this, I had to have these stands and I had to have the right equipment and I had to have this certain brand of stuff. And I had to have this, this, uh, uh, one of those calls and, and you got to be able to work the call and got to be able to rattle the antlers and, and do all these. And my excitement quickly went from, I'm going to be able to do this too. There's no way I can do this. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before about something, but it just seemed so far away. The perception was in my mind that I don't have this equipment. I don't have all of this stuff. I don't have all of this time and this money. I live in, I live in Zanesville, and my backyard is not 200 acres. It's about 0.2 acres and I don't see any way that this is going to be possible. The perception was it's, it's out of reach, right? The perception was it's not, it's not attainable. But what I found out very quickly is the closer I got to people, the closer I got to, to, to hunters out here. Do we have any hunters in the building? They never make noise, by the way. Because they're quiet, <laughs> got to be quiet in the woods. I thought I thought one would at least say, "Yeah, no, nothing." <laughs> they're born quiet. That's why maybe I don't make a good hunter. I'm not quiet enough. My mouth's too big. <laughs> but the more I got around people that that hunt, the the quicker the quicker I found out that that you didn't need all that stuff. And I, and there was a part of me that knew that, but. But you still felt intimidated by the whole picture of it. But the closer I got to people and the more conversations I had and the more, the more talks that I had with people like you, I found out that, hey, maybe it actually is possible for me to hunt. And then I went out and shot and, and, and missed. But, but the perception of things sometimes when you're at a distance can be 
It's so far out of reach. Why even bother? People have that perception about God. Am I right? Did any of you ever have that perception about God? Yeah, yeah. Seems so big and so great and so perfect that he seems so far out of reach. So far in the distance. I could never be like that. I could never be like that person. I could never talk like them. I could never behave that good. I could never hold my tongue in a game of two-on-two basketball like they do. I could never do that. Seems so far out, out of reach. And your flesh and the devil would love to do nothing more than to keep that narrative in your life for the rest of your life. It's not possible. It's not doable. God's too far away. But let me say from the outset of this 17-minute long message, God is as near to you, amen, as he has ever been to anybody in this building, to anybody in this world, just as, as close as he is to me, just as close as he is to anybody up here. He is that close to you today. I'm going to tell somebody in this room that God, amen, is within your reach. God is within, amen, your reach. If you will start to talk, amen, to some people around this building, you'll very quickly find out that there were people addicted, that there were people bound, that there were people who came here broke and busted and disgusted and didn't have anything to their name. But when they found God, amen, he didn't turn them away and said, no, 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 you can't come to me like that. He said, oh, the contrary. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. If you got problems, come to me. If you got issues, come to me. Why? I'm within your reach. I want to tell you very quickly on this Sunday morning that God is in your reach because if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. I was blind, but now I see. I was addicted, but he brought me. Oh, come on, somebody. I was bound, but he set me free. If God could reach me, he can reach you. He's within reach. Hit somebody and say, he's within reach. Psalms 119 and 151 says, Thou art near, O Lord, and all of thy commandments are truth. Psalms 145 says, The Lord is near or nigh unto them that call upon him. He's near to those that mention the name of Jesus. Would somebody say Jesus? Matthew chapter 18 and 20, Scripture says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. You are in the middle of two or three people that believe, amen, in the name of Jesus. And when you're in the midst of those people and you can believe God is near you, God is within your reach 
I hope you didn't walk in here intimidated by the people that you see. I hope you didn't walk in here intimidated by the conversations that you had. But I hope that before you leave this building and you leave this parking lot full of candy, you figure out very quickly, maybe I can live for God. Maybe God can do something with my mess. Oh, come on, somebody. Maybe God can do something with my struggle. God can and God will. He's within reach. Be seated. Nine minutes. Jesus made himself accessible to everybody. In the Old Testament, he made himself available to an adulterer and a murderer. In the Old Testament, he made himself available to a man by the name of Moses who killed an Egyptian, dwelt in a desert for 40 years, wondering, is anything ever going to come out of my life again? But God appeared in a burning bush, not to somebody that had it all together, but he appeared in a burning bush to somebody who was a murderer. Amen. And he said, I want to use you. I want to do something in your life. God made himself available to the man uh, named David. He committed adultery. He committed sin after sin after sin. But the Bible doesn't label him as a sinner. You want to know what the Bible labels him as? The Bible labels him as a man after God's own heart. I'm telling you right now, if he's within reach for David and he's within reach for Moses, then he is within reach for you on this Sunday morning. In the New Testament, he made himself available to tax frauds. He made himself available to people that didn't have it all together. He showed up at their house. He showed up at their work. He didn't say, he didn't show up to Peter and all them on the sea and said, hey, let me see some credentials, man. Let me see if you're good enough. Let me see, let me see how good you are, and then I'll determine if you can follow me. No, that's not what the story says. I don't have time to tell the story. I've got seven minutes, all right? Give me a break. I ain't got time. He went up to him. You want to know what he said? He said, follow me. He, he said, he didn't say, he didn't say anything else. He said, just, just follow me. He said, I'm not concerned about your past. I'm not concerned about, about the problems you have. I'm not concerned with the issues you're dealing with right now. Just I know you got all that going on, but come and follow me. And the people that God used all throughout this book and the people that God is still using today are people that recognize if it hadn't been for him, I'd be nobody. If it hadn't been for him, I'd be lost. I'd be dying. I was in sin, but he brought me out. All of the dignified folk were, they were worried they were worried about this Jesus because he spent too much time around sinners. Luke 5 and 30, but the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said to them, 
They that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. Watch. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I didn't come to hang out with dignified people who sip their coffee with their pinky out. I didn't come for all the dignified people, but I came, amen, for the broken. I came for the sinner. I came to call sinners to repentance. You didn't walk into a rest home for saints today. You walked into a hospital for sinners. If you're dying, you're in the right place. If you're struggling, you're in the right place. We want to help you. We want to introduce you to the healer and the maker of all things. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Four minutes. Are you ready? Stay standing with me. Or stand with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. Hurry up. We're a hospital. We're a hospital for sinners. You want to know what hospitals do? Hospitals treat you 100% of the time. Is Brother Escarado in the building? Where you at? Throw that right hand up there, Brother Escarado. You got to watch Brother Scaredo. Sometimes he'll he'll come up to you and shake your hand with that right hand and make you think and make you think you're doing something wrong. Brother Brother Scaredo got his fingers cut off in a work accident years ago. He has fun with it and I enjoy it too. I'm like, what in the world? Brother Scaredo would have been a terrible thing if the hospital that you walked into after that work accident would have stopped you at the door and said, "Hang on." I know your fingers are cut off, but if we treat you, what's in it for us? If we treat you, what are we going to get in return? No. That's not the mentality of a hospital. That's not the mentality of this church. We're not in it to get something out of you. We're in it because we were broken. We were broke. We needed God. And God fixed us. And just like he fixed us, he can fix you. He's not waiting for credentials. He's not waiting for what you can give to him. He's just saying, come, and I will treat you. I'll make you better if you can believe and will believe me. Clap your hands to the Lord. Winston knows that if he needs me, my son, my oldest son knows that if he needs me, he can come and get me at any point. There is no point in his life. There is nothing that I am doing that is too important that he cannot come and get me. If he needed me right now, he could run up to this platform, tug on my suit jacket, and say, Daddy, I need you. And I'd drop what I was doing, and I'd be there. I'd done it before while I was preaching. I'd do it again because I'm his dad. And more than I care about the ritual and the routine, I care about the health of my son. And God will stop everything he's doing to say, hey, you got a need? I'm here. What you need? What's what's the problem? What's going on? God is here and will stop everything else to take care of you. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again on the cross with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent 
when Jesus died, there was a veil in the temple that, that gave, the veil was separated, I don't have time to get into it, but it separated the most holy place in the tabernacle from everybody else. In the Old Testament, one time a year, one priest could go into that room and make an atonement for all of the other people for their sins. But when Jesus died on the cross, when he died, that veil ripped in two. What was he saying? What was he saying? He was saying, I don't want my people to feel like they can only access me through a man one time a year. That was never God's plan. God's plan has always been that whosoever will, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. And you stand in a different day today. You stand with access to the presence and the power of a mighty God who gave his life, not for the righteous, but gave his life for you. He gave his life so that you could have access to him. So I don't care who you are, where you've been. He is reachable today. He is reachable. I want you to lift your hands toward heaven right now. This altar is open for the next few moments. If you feel God pulling at your heart, you're welcome to come. But if not, I want to say a prayer over you right now. Lord, you are nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You saveth, God, those people that are of a contrite spirit. You're near, God, every individual in this room today. And I pray, oh God, that you, God, would give hope today. God, when this world screams, what's the point? You are the giver of hope. I pray that every man and every woman and every child, Lord, that walked into this building would feel that hope today, that they would feel you near today in the name of Jesus, I pray. I'm asking everybody that would, if you would, as they begin to play for just a few minutes, if you would come out of your seat, if you would come out of your seat and join me at the front, we're going to pray together. There's a touch of God here in this room. We've got time for this. We've got time for this altar call right now. Come on, we've got time for this. We've got a schedule, but we've got time for this right now. Come on, just come with your hands lifted. Come with your heart open. God, you're available. If you've been healed of cancer, come right over here to my left, your right. Elder Melik will meet us over here. He's going, we're going to pray a word of prayer over a prayer cloth. Come on, reach out to heaven right now. Come on, just say Jesus. If you don't know what to say, just say Jesus. I need you today. So. No, I'm not. 
So